Hi, my name's Ross, and I've had the privilege of hosting this mini-series all about the war in Ukraine and the power of child discipleship. This episode marks somewhat of an end to that series, but I want to stress right off the top that we will regularly be coming back to the church in Ukraine with bonus episodes and ways to support child discipleship in this part of the world. But today, I want you to meet Anita. You've heard from her in clips throughout the past few episodes, but today you're going to hear my conversation with her in full and basically unedited from when we spoke back in September. This is an emotional conversation where Anita tells the truth about everything. I'm so grateful to have had this conversation personally, and I'm so glad to get a chance to share it with all of you. So let's get started. Thanks for listening. Anita, just to get things started, I'm curious if you can remember or what just stands out to you first thing comes to your mind as your first memory of Awana. I remember Awana from the very beginning when it started in Ukraine in early 90s. I was a child then and I was happy to be a member for a few years. So that's where my first memories to be a part of team, to run games, have new friends and to learn uh, more about God because that was a new way of knowing God, not the way we used to have it in Ukraine before. So it was interesting. It was funny, but at the same time, it was very profound for me. I love that. And one of my favorite things about meeting people who met the Lord as a child is watching your face light up when you think about that first, those first encounters with Jesus. And I know that that wasn't true for everybody in your community. How would you say your childhood was different as someone who grew up in the church compared to friends or people you grew up with who maybe didn't have that experience? You know, the time when I grew up, I was born in 1981. So I was born in Soviet Union. That was a difficult time for Christians. Uh, my parents were not allowed to uh, receive a higher education because they were Christians. My grandparents uh, had their problems with job and education as well because they were Christians. When I went to school, that was a little bit different because the time was coming to independence of Ukraine. So I was mocked a bit at, tr at school because I was Christian. People would laugh at your class or some classmates because you're Christian, because you're a little bit different. But at the same time, I am proud and I'm blessed to have parents who led me to Christ and who were not afraid to bring me to the church and tell me about Jesus. So right now, my friends that, or no, let's say my classmates that were not really enjoying me being a Christian if I can say this, because it was different. Right now, they're my friends. We still have this friendship for oh. all this since the school years. That's beautiful. I'm fascinated by the broader church in Ukraine because it was it's so young compared to other parts of the world where 
they had to be thinking about what your future church could look like because it could be more open. Was that part of their discipleship thinking that, oh, she might be able to be more public with her faith than we were able to be? I think they dreamed about it. Okay. Uh, they dreamed and they allowed me to dream. So they were, they were the ones um, to help me to set goals, to, to dream about better future, not, uh, not the way it was un, like under the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. but they helped me believe that the situation may be changed, that uh, the times will come when everything will be different. So I think they brought this hope and they, this dream into my heart. They were dreaming. They were dreamers. And they were the ones to give this dream to me. One of the things that I love hearing about is how a challenge for Awana coming into Ukraine was this idea that the kids were going to play games, that there was going to be laughing, that there was going to be almost a silliness that wasn't a thing. Did you experience any of that starting at Awana in, in your church? Uh, uh, not me personally, because okay. I think that all the kids that were at Awana, they loved it. Games are games for for all the kids around the world. I mean, we love, we love games. And maybe when we, we are adults, we also love games. But we sometimes wear this mask and say, okay, no, not, maybe not as much as... Uh, like uh, when we were kids, but yes, that was a kind of problem. I think more for, for parents mm-hmm. and uh, more for Christian parents, mm-hmm. because um, for some people to have fun was something not good. Uh, even though it wasn't bad to yeah. run games, to have fun, but being under this pressure uh, under communist time, people were afraid uh, they were afraid to enjoy their time and to show happiness. To fast forward a little bit, you've clearly made the decision to continue to invest in your community. We would say around here, you are a disciple who is now turning around and making disciples. I'm curious how much of a conscious decision that was. Did you ever think, oh, I'm going to go to a different part of the country, a different part of the world? I'm gonna, but you clearly are investing in the church in Ukraine. Was there ever a thought that you were going to leave Ukraine or go do something else? Or did you? My way in Iwana or my path in Iwana went so smooth. It's like, like right now when I uh, disciple uh, leaders and we talk about prayer Iwana for kids to know, love, and serve God. So that was the case in my life. In my life. At first... I found God, who he is, what he has made for me. Then that was the love through this, through this decision. That was the love that appeared in my heart because of what Jesus made in my life. And then it was like, I can't, um, I can't live differently. So I can't live without serving. Yeah, it was child, helper, club director, trainer at different conferences and even in different countries. Prior to 2014, can you help folks understand what the scope of your ministry looked like? What were the churches you were serving? How many kids? What was the sort of size and how big was Awana Ukraine 
up to 2014, as, as, as you can remember. No, I don't remember the exact numbers, but till 2014, we were able to serve around the whole Ukraine, the whole, ter whole territory of Ukraine. So uh, over 200 clubs, I think, in, in Ukraine. And um, I remember all these fall conferences or spring conferences for leaders when people were gathering together to share experience, for um, to be encouraged during these meetings. I remember our travels to different parts of Ukraine, but everything changed because of the uh, because of the war because like some parts of ukraine were cut and we couldn't go there anymore so some of the relationships there were broken because people were on one part and other parts so we were not expecting we were i think that was a time of growth time of blessing time of um discipleship of children that we've seen so many so many kids reached uh, out at this point and then everything changed i think it's important for people to understand that while so much has changed since february of 2022 for most if not the entire country of ukraine you all have been operating in this kind of tension this brokenness since 2014 I've heard you say so many times that this war has been one of your greatest opportunities to share the gospel. Why is that true? We understand and know that uh, even though sometimes it's difficult to accept difficulties in our life, know that God is in control. And it's difficult for me to say this. I believe in this. I truly believe. But it's difficult to accept it sometimes when you're going through the valley of sorrow and you think about people suffering. But yes, we do see opportunities. I, I mean, I, um, for example, Cherkasy, that's the city where I live. We, uh, we used to have many clubs and we gathered in differ uh, different locations in Cherkasy, in public school, at churches, and each club has its own team. But because of the war, many people, um, they had to move out from Ukraine, especially um, women and children. But some people stayed and we saw an opportunity to serve refugees that started coming to Cherkasy region. Because um, when the war started, people started just, they left everything there, their homes, everything they uh, they had and can you imagine people coming to a different city with no place to stay no money to stay or to rent something and they were um, um they, they were given public school building to stay there and live there so all the school rooms they took all the tables out they put mattresses and people stayed there with their kids so this a big amount of people. And we saw this as an opportunity to serve. My leaders in my club, I remember our prayer to have more, Christian, more children from non-Christian uh, families to come. So we would be able to share the gospel. And that was the case. All the kids were from non-Christian families. 
you just come and you start and you share and you um, show God, show his love for these kids and their parents, they are there also because they bring their kids, they can hear it, they can pray together, they can play games. So that was the opportunity. And uh, this is in Cherkasi, but um, I know that other cities and other um, teams, um, missionaries, leaders, they use these opportunities to reach out kids, kids that are really broken because of this war. Yeah. And we have a new term, kids of war here in Ukraine. That's a term that shouldn't exist, but it does. When I think about what it means to disciple my own kids, my kids who are experiencing in so many ways, the exact opposite of what it means to be a, a kid of war. What I'm sure you're seeing every day. I'm curious what you are seeing that reminds you that these kids are just kids. We in the West have this sense of what's happening broadly, right? We see the headlines of this is what Ukraine's going through. This is what this city's going through. You know, this is the sort of top of mind um, headlines. But one of the benefits of these kinds of conversations is we get a sense of what it's like for a community or a family or a person or a child. But at the end of the day, a kid of war is still a kid. What has it been like to see that child from a non-Christian home and watch as they go from what I imagine is terrified to playing in a wanna game or understanding who Jesus is or any of that kind of fruit. Do, do any of those kinds of stories come to mind? Yeah, uh, what comes to my mind right now that, you know, I, I haven't seen kids who were um, wounded or injured because of the war. I have seen many soldiers because I visited them in hospitals but I haven't seen uh, the kids, but they are injured. Their hearts are injured. You can see it with your eyes. It's just a kid until you start talking to this kid, until you start to pay attention more to what, how the child is acting, how the child is responding. You know, when we were having this uh, Awana and when, uh, when it's an air alert, uh, you need to go to the basement because it's a threat. It's so difficult to see the eyes of the kids when they hear the sound because sound can, I, I don't know, about two or from two to five minutes. That's a loud sound and all the kids run downstairs. And they're terrified, they're frightened, they're broken. But despite all this, you have an opportunity to do something because you are here at this period of time, at this moment with these kids and you know God and you know his will and you can do something. So it's your choice to use it and to use every opportunity and to fulfill the purpose you've been created for. I'm so grateful to be able to have a chance to talk to anyone who is living out their purpose of what God made them to do. You are someone who was clearly made to disciple kids in any context. And despite the horrendous circumstances of your current context, I'm so excited to see what the future of the church of Ukraine holds. Because one of the things that I think about is 
you were discipled in a church 30 years ago by your parents and you see the fruit of that discipleship now the leaders in the church right now are doing amazing work yes there's opportunities but you guys have made tremendous sacrifices personally professionally through your own safety you've set aside your own fears to be there in those moments for that terrified child what is the day-to-day scope of your ministry look like when you are serving these kids when you're serving these leaders I'm not going to say routine. I'm not naive enough to know that to think that there's a routine to your life these days. But when you when you wake up and think about what are the, your top priorities, your top goals, what are you focused on? I like the word routine. And before the war started, I had my own routine to get up in the morning because I get up earlier than my husband, to have my quiet time with God, uh, to plan my day or plan my week. And then to have a cup of tea with my husband and then start the day with ministry, with my work. Uh, now it's totally different. I mean, for the first few weeks or even a month, I couldn't get hold of myself. I mean, it was difficult to, to understand, is it a day or a night? What to do? Uh, what day of the week is it? Uh, we were counting days, first day of the war, second day, third, 10th, 11th, and so on. You sometimes want to go um, to a room, close the door, and cry there. Uh, you are not allowed to do this right now. Not now. So I, I tried to return to my routine, getting up in the morning and having my quiet time. Unfortunately, now without my husband, uh, because he's in the front line. So uh, my day started when I wake up and I don't open my eyes. My day starts when I start praying uh, to God and asking for every person I know, a soldier, somebody who needs God's presence right now. Then I check check out my telephone for a message. Um, And sometimes I'm happy to receive it. Sometimes I may receive it afternoon, in the evening, or maybe even next day. So you leave from message to message. And um, it's difficult. At the same point, you understand that you cannot stop. You can see God's mercy today. It's shown in your life because you woke up. One more day. You don't know about tomorrow. But today you can do something. So make the most of every opportunity. Right now, I do help in a refugee center where we work with uh, refugees, like families, kids, uh, parents, um, uh, different ages when they come for help. And we're providing for them as well as resources, as well as just talking to them, listening to them, listening to their stories. Awana at weekends or some uh, Zoom meetings. There is a routine. Yes, there is a routine. Or I try to make a yeah. routine in life. Well, it sounds like it starts with that gratitude, which is remarkable. And then it shifts into because you've been filled with this, because you have woken up, you are given this sense of purpose to continue to pour out, to continue to focus on discipling kids, to continue to focus on serving your community. One of the things that I think people often get wrong about war in general, 
but particularly this war is there's a sense that everything has stopped there's a sense that this invasion happened and just everything's been shut down and we know that isn't true because we know that god never stops we know that he is always he is always on the move he is always working when those kids go down into the basement and i just say this because i've seen the videos i've seen the pictures you go and you get it set up and then they keep having camp or you keep discipling them despite the air raid what are some ways where you continue to see child discipleship happen you've continued to see god on the move despite the war i think that we can see god's work i maybe i i will repeat it one more time but we we see god's work in everyday opportunities yes it's difficult to uh, stop the camp or stop Iwana and take all the kids to the basement because they are frightened. It's, you know, you have a short period of time to do it, but you do have opportunities uh, to talk to a child. You never know, will this child come next time? Will this kid come the next day of the camp? So you have today, you're given this chance, you're given this opportunity. And every new day is a new opportunity, even though the war is um, awful and we can see all these uh, consequences of the, uh, of the war here, but God is still working and giving us this time. I don't know how long, I don't know what, how it will change tomorrow, Will we be able to go to school and work there again? Will we be able to do the camp we're planning to do, for example, in autumn, on autumn break for kids? But we're planning mm -hmm. and trusting God that he'll give us this opportunity. Because um, as long as we're alive here, we can do what we have been called to do. Amen to that. Thank you so much for your ministry. We started this conversation talking about the differences between, you know, sort of your childhood experience and perhaps others in your community. But as you look at your community now, what are you most proud of? I can look as a member, not as a non-Ukrainian and think, man, the Ukrainian people are resilient, or I can assign a bunch of different adjectives. But what are you most proud of looking at your community after all you have been through? Yeah, uh, I'm proud and about resilience and um, endurance of my country, of people of my country. I am proud of braveness of all the people who have who have chosen to go to the front line uh, to be there, so others can be safe here. I am thankful to every person and every church that is using their facilities, funds, time, houses to serve, to those who, who are refugees, to those who lost their beloved ones. I have so many things to be proud of my country, of my people, of my friends, of people I don't know, but I am proud of them. And I'm proud to be Ukrainian right now. 
to be Christian and to be Ukrainian here at this period of time.